In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to this beautiful Labor Day weekend. This glorious weather. Well, let me invite you to take out this handout that you have here in front of you. I think you'll find it helpful today. Over these last 13 weeks since Pentecost, can you believe it? It's been 13 weeks since Pentecost. We have been on a journey of exploration and we've been studying this matter of spiritual transformation. And today we come to the end of our series. Some of you are saying, thank goodness. We're coming to the end of the series, but I hope not to the end of our journey. And I'd like to take a few moments this morning to look back and briefly review some of the things that we have learned about spiritual transformation. You know, the thing that set us out on this journey of spiritual transformation was the importance of it. Becoming like Jesus Christ is the central activity of our salvation at this moment. You know, the reason why God doesn't simply rapture us up into heaven the moment that we come to new spiritual birth is because he wants to transform our hearts to fit us, to equip us for his coming kingdom. He is working on us so that we can become, in fact, what he declares us to be in our justification, holy people in his eyes. The second thing we learned about in our journey is that we are not naturally inclined to take this kind of travel. You know, you and I were inclined to sing and to dance and to jump and cheer for the Braves occasionally. But you know, wrestling with our own soul is hard work. I don't want to do it. And I suspect most people here are like me this morning. But fortunately, we've also learned that we are not alone in the journey of spiritual transformation. God has given us His Holy Spirit. What our old nature is not inclined to do, the Holy Spirit nurtures and directs and encourages our new nature to do. Now, if you got out of bed this morning and said, you know, I think it would be a joy to go to the house of the Lord, well then rejoice and be glad because that is the Holy Spirit working in you. If you got up this morning and said, I got to have a cup of joe, well at least you can rejoice in God's good provision of the coffee plant. You know, as we've journeyed along here, we've learned about how this business of spiritual transformation actually takes place. Even though God's Holy Spirit is empowering us, spiritual transformation is anything but a passive activity. Spiritual transformation is not a call to just let go and let God. You see, it's quite to the contrary. Because if it is God who is at work in us, then we are called to reach out with both hands 
and with all our heart and all our mind and all our understanding and take hold of the tools of spiritual transformation. In our journey, we've learned a little about what some of those tools are. And the primary tool in spiritual transformation is this. Making the right choices. We can no more transform ourselves than a pig can fly. But what we can do is choose to place ourselves in those places and in those activities where God's Holy Spirit can begin to work in our hearts. We can't will ourselves to grow an inch, either physically or spiritually. But we can choose to participate with what God, the Holy Spirit, is doing through the means of grace. Transformation does not come about by some sort of spiritual magic poured out from on high. It doesn't come down upon a few select saints. Rather, it comes through the means, the spiritual means of grace that we live out day in, day out, week in, week out, year after year. Well, in our journey, we learned about a very important lesson, didn't we? Now, if you journey, you may do it by horsepower, or you may do it by jet power, but when you journey, you got to have fuel for the journey, don't you? And we learned that love is the fuel of spiritual transformation. The most powerful prayer that Paul could think to pray for young churches so that they would complete their journey is this. He says that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Have you noticed what's happened at the gas pump in the last few days? <laughs> the prices have jumped 25 to 30 percent. My wife said, I went into Kroger and it was 265, I came out, it was 275. <laughs> Why? Well, because of what's happening in Houston. You see, everybody's afraid that there isn't going to be enough fuel to go around. But you, Christian, you don't need to fear that. You are going to finish your journey. You are going to make it because God's love has been poured out in abundance. We've also reckoned with the fact that there are many dangers to the journey as well. If you're going to complete the journey safely, Every wise traveler knows that you need to take frequent rest stops along the way, don't you? We've learned that that is the same thing in our spiritual 
journey. So why are we gathered here this morning? Well, there are lots of reasons that you might be gathered here this morning. And I realize in the midst of getting the kids ready, the dog fed, the car seats put in the car, wiping runny noses, trying to find your tie. You don't have to wear one of those, by the way. And all the other harassments that come about in life. Coming here to find rest may not seem like one of the reasons that you ended up here. But that is what this table is all about. We come weekly to find nourishment, refreshment, and rest. Our life is found in Christ's life given to us at this table. The busy traveler, the one pressed for time, the one hurrying on to an appointment may skip a meal or two and still make his or her destination. But you try driving to Los Angeles without stopping or eating and see how successful that's going to be. Further, we realize that rest and refreshment isn't just a weekly stop either, is it? Our own Lord needed time every single day with his Father. The healthy athlete is properly nourished and rested. And it's no different with the spiritual athlete. And I know everybody here is hurrying on in their journey of life. But the driver who finds peace and joy in the journey is the one, before he or she slides behind that wheel for the day, has taken time to be with the Lord. Now what does that mean to you? God's telling you something this morning, some of you. I saw a little sign on the wall, a place I went to a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, now how appropriate is this for spiritual transformation? You know what the sign said? It said, you will never change your life until you change something that you do every day. Rest weekly, rest and refresh daily, and you'll be safe on your journey. Well, as we close this morning, I'd like to offer three brief laws. I call them laws of navigation or tips for travelers. These are laws that apply as you grow and move on into new territory. Here's the first one. Present your body to God. Present your body to God. You see, spiritual transformation means things are going to change. You will be different, and you will see things differently because you will begin to see them with new eyes. But one thing will always remain the same, and that is the call to present your body is a living sacrifice to God. In our New Testament lesson this morning, we heard Paul say it once again. 
Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. Now, when you come to the table this morning to find your much-needed refreshment, I would invite you this morning to hear again with new ears. Before the Reformation, the church was speaking in a rather confused way about Christ being sacrificed again and again every Sunday at the Lord's table. And that's why the Reformers changed the Eucharistic rite. What is it that we say every Sunday? Hallelujah! Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed once for all upon the cross. But does that mean that the Eucharist is no longer a sacrifice? Yes and no. Christ has done his work once for all eternity, but there is a sacrifice that is needed every single week. You and I come to present ourselves, our souls and bodies, as a living sacrifice. You see, Christ has done his work for all eternity. It's complete. But not so fickle hearts like yours and mine. We need to come afresh every single week to offer ourselves once again to God. We need to remind ourselves that our bodies belong to God. The further we travel, the more unfamiliar the territory becomes the more frequently and poignantly we need to be reminded we are not our own. We were bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. Here's a second law of navigation when in new territory and new waters. Practice giving and receiving forgiveness. Now, hopefully, everybody here this morning is aware of their own need to be forgiven. <laughs> we pray it every week, don't we? Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. But you know what? Sometimes we forget about the importance of forgiving and releasing others. Do you remember what happened to Paul the first time he was imprisoned in Rome? He was not in jail, you know, but he was in chains. He was under house arrest and he was chained to a Roman guard. Every four or six hours, a new soldier would come and the one would be unchained and the other one would be chained again and stand his watch. And that went on for two whole years. But think a little further about that situation. Paul was in chains, but you know what? 
Those poor soldiers were just as much in chains as Paul was. In fact, in the book of Philippians, Paul the evangelist implies that he was really happy about that situation. Like it or not, every single day, members of the elite Praetorian Guard were chained to Paul. They couldn't get away. And at the end of two years, he was able to say, everyone in that guard had heard the gospel. But in a much less happy way, when you and I are holding the chains of another person, when we are holding them prisoner in our hearts and not forgiving them, you know what? We may think we have them hostage, but we are on the other end of that chain. We are as much a prisoner as they are. Friends, here's the rule for spiritual transformation. For God's sake, forgive one another. For your own sake, forgive one another. Because when you release the chains on another person, you will find joy and freedom of being released yourself. Here's my final tip for travelers. Just keep on. God's promise is that He will do it. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be worried. He who called you is faithful. He will surely do it. You don't have to worry about being a Christian superstar. You don't need to be among this century's top 100 Christians. God is going to get the job done. You see, God's stake in you is nothing less than the blood of his most precious son. He's not about to let that go to waste. But you and I do have a part. We need, we must, just keep pressing on. Though so you grow weary and tired, don't give up. Recall that in your baptism and in your confirmation, you made a promise. So don't turn back. Not ever. Well, this morning we've come to the end of our series, but I hope not to the end of our journey. The journey for some of us out here this morning is just beginning. But it continues for every person here. For all of us. Until the day in which we join our friend Jeannie in the presence of the Lord. Our Anglican heritage, of which we are a part has a rich treasury of gifts for the spiritual traveler. Now I'd like to leave you with one this morning. 
It was written by the rector of Castle Camps in Oxfordshire. And it was written on the day in which all three of his children were confirmed. I'd like to invite you now to stand, and I'd like us to sing this absolutely lovely hymn for the spiritual journey. Oh, Jesus, I have 